So today is last Sunday in our Longing to Be Long sermon series. We've been focusing on discipleship from the stance of what it means to be a member in the United Methodist Church, and we've been focusing particularly on the membership vows that we each take when we join the church. Those vows are to support the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and today we're going to talk about our witness. Will you please stand as I read today's scripture? Our text comes from the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. In your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. As did Pastor Barry and Pastor Milton over these last few weeks, I took some time a couple weeks ago to talk with a few of our church members about what it means to them to support the church by their witness. Let's take a look. Um, I think supporting the church by your witness can look like um, lots of different things, um, including like be part of small groups, um, be part of ministries that are important to you, um, pray for your church, and like, spread the word. So whether that be through social media, or talking to your neighbors or your family, um, there's just a lot of ways I think that we can support the church with our witness. Well, I, th- I think with guys that I work with and women that I work with, the people that I work with, it's more of a just uh, treating people fairly and, and letting them know that when, when they have problems in their life that you're concerned about them and you're there to, to support them and, and be with them if they need any kind of help. I, I'll tell you, I've missed very few Sundays since I've been coming to Sun Creek, and I started January of 2012. It, it just... Uh, I support it. I try to be here whenever I can. I try to be a part of small groups. Uh, we can't do that right now, but, but uh, you know, all kinds of fellowship around the church. And uh, to put that sign out in my yard every Sunday that I can remember to do it. I forgot that this morning. I'm sorry, but, but it was out there last Sunday. Probably be out there next Sunday. I kind of see that as a, a twofold piece uh, to our, our, our manifest. Um, it's, it's my witness to my story, my walk with Jesus, and, and sharing that with, uh, with the people in my community and, and helping spread the gospel. Um, but I also see it as me being a witness to others and helping them find God in their lives, finding God moments and leading them to walk a Christian path. Um, so I, I feel it, it takes both sides of that to be a true witness to our discipleship. Wow. Maybe you don't need me this morning. <laughs> we support the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And yet witness is that one that I think a lot of us least understand or probably most afraid of. As most of you know, I grew up in the United Methodist Church, and I'll admit that we Methodists have not always done a very good job of encouraging one another to witness to our faith. 
I think it's interesting to note that this clause to support the church by our witness was not even added in the United Methodist membership vows until 2008. That probably explains why I and maybe many of you often feel kind of anxious or hesitant when it comes to supporting the church by our witness. I grew up in a church that, to the best of my knowledge, didn't really talk about or teach me to witness, nor was I encouraged to share my personal experiences of God with others, even at church. Some of us may have also had some very uncomfortable and stressful experiences related to the witness of other Christians that has contributed to our fear and our resistance. I remember people who came to my college campus specifically to witness and proclaim the gospel. They stood alone in speaker's circle, this place where you could stand and your voice projected out, and they'd pound on their Bibles, condemning all who walked by and telling us that we needed Jesus. I heard a lot of talk about sin and judgment, but very little about God's love and forgiveness. Not once did they stop and engage me or others in conversation or relationship. It kind of seemed like they thought they alone had all the right answers and the rest of us would be going to hell. I don't know what that meant for me since I was already a Christian. Their witness both challenged and confused me because I had not experienced that God of judgment that those standing there in the speaker's circle were modeling to me through their actions and their words. I knew a God of grace and love, a God intimately present in my life and the world around me, and I struggled to reconcile this God I knew with the God I heard them proclaim. I was really sad. I worried about all those who might have walked away feeling judged and abused by this kind of Christian witness and that they might not even ever come to know God's love for them. So ultimately what I learned from this experience was that that kind of witness was not an authentic witness for me. But I didn't have some other model for sharing my faith, so I just remained silent. And then as I listened to other people's witnesses of radical transformation, for example, that alcoholic who went through AA and uh, was freed from their addictions and they found Jesus and they came to Christ, or that uh, ex-con who met Jesus in prison and is now a pastor. By the way, these are amazing examples of God's grace and redeeming power, but they left me doubting and questioning the authenticity of my own faith life. Could I give a Christian witness if I didn't have some kind of major life-changing story to tell? For as long as I can remember, I had been a Christian. I was baptized as an infant in the church, and I'd attended worship every week throughout my childhood, my teen, and even my college years. But when I was left to examine my own life in light of these others, I began to discount my own experience of God as a valid witness. I say all this not to condemn other Christians and their practices. They do what is right for them and what is in accordance with their experience and theology. One is not better than the other. But we are just different in how we experience God's presence in the world and how we respond for Christ's call for us to be his witnesses. And that's okay. Consider a courtroom. They call up multiple witnesses to an accident or an event. And each person can recall different details or offers a different perspective of what happened. But collectively, their witness helps those gathered get a more accurate picture of the events that actually took place. That diversity of witness 
both within our denomination and across our Christian traditions, is the beauty and the hallmark of the church itself. And it's also a means of how God's message gets shared with very different kinds of people. Robert Dijkstra, professor of pastoral theology at Princeton Seminary, said this. Despite all those words over in the seminary libraries, and let me tell you there are lots of them, not everything about God that can be said has been said. For the world still awaits your truths, your parables, your experiences of being searching for and of being found by our living Lord. The lyrical voice of the one, yours, still needs to be heard amid the chorus of the many. No shepherd besides you can think those thoughts No sheep but you can bleat those words. When I came across this quote, I finally felt empowered to claim my own voice and story despite its seeming insignificance. Each person's story is different, and your unique witness matters. Today's text challenges us to always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. The letter we know as 1 Peter was written to be circulated amongst a group of small house churches made up of uh, mostly Gentile Christians. The purpose of the letter is to both reinforce their faith and to inspire them to uphold the standards of holy living in the face of societal rejection. These converts were often ostracized by their family and friends once they adopted the Christian faith. And they were oppressed and persecuted by the Roman Empire as it felt increasingly threatened by the Christian way of life. The cultural norm of their day demanded allegiance to the emperor, so their allegiance to God was a threat to that power. Because they fellowshiped with brothers and sisters who were not blood relations, And because the Christian community included and treated equally women, slaves, and people of various races and nationalities, the Roman household systems and social hierarchies were disrupted and dismantled. These early Christians were accused of being anti-patriotic and anti-cultural. Even though we live in a predominantly Christian culture, we know what it's like to be rejected and challenged sometimes because of our Christian faith or identity. We are regularly confronted with the tensions between the different values and claims made by various Christian traditions. We Christians are often rejected and discounted by non-believers who have come to recognize that our witness and action does not always faithfully live up to our proclaimed faith. And we ourselves struggle to really understand what is a faithful Christian witness in light of scriptures, in light of Christ's life and teachings, and in light of our own current context and the experience of the Holy Spirit at work in the world today. But it is into such difficult situations that Peter offers us wisdom and direction for how to witness and live as holy people. Be ready and able to explain your hope to anyone at any time. The author of this text assumes that Christians have hope because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And he also assumes that our hope is what sets us apart and distinguishes us from the rest of the world. People are going to come asking for what is the source of the hope that is in us. 
So witnessing is about sharing our hope and our words and our actions and our service to others. The Bible itself is the collective witness of the whole people of God. As the community of faith retells their experience of God's faithfulness, of God's liberating power, healing, and redemption across many generations. First Peter is full of declarations for the source of that community's hope, proclaiming the living hope that they now have through Christ's resurrection from the dead that tells us there is always hope for a new life, a new opportunity, even when it seems there is no hope. Hope because the Christian witness has spread from the Jews in Jerusalem to the Gentiles in the Roman Empire, and these have received belonging in God's family. Hope that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the world. And hope because people's lives have already been transformed. Those who are now obedient to Christ order their lives accordingly. And they love one another. And they are filled with joy even in the midst of their suffering. And together they hope for that anticipated future that they will share with God in the kingdom of heaven. We have much reason to hope. Peter challenges each of us to be ready to share our own personal story of God's love and grace, to give an account for the hope that is in us. Our witness overflows from our joy and gratitude, and it should be as natural as telling a coworker or a friend about an awesome weekend, a special event, a great vacation, or your favorite birthday gift. When in your life were you aware of God's presence and love, and grace. Where have you witnessed God at work in the world around you? Maybe even in the life of someone you know and love. What is the source of your hope? Have you found freedom from addictions, bad habits, negativity, or self-judgment? How have you received physical, emotional, or psychological healing? Have you ever been given a second chance? When have you received strength and peace in the middle of a challenge, suffering, or loss? Tell that story to your families and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, and give God the glory. My friends, there is nothing fancy or scary about it. There is no wrong or right way to do it. Only, as Peter says, offer your witness with all gentleness and humility. When we share our story, when we give an account for the hope that is in us, our own faith is strengthened and the world is transformed. Sociologists have long claimed that speech and language are the primary reasons why communities are formed and united. Our words create the worlds and realities in which we live. In her book, Saying is Believing, Amanda Hans Drury says that when we witness we articulate our personal experience of God, our own faith story becomes more real to us. And she continues that our witness to contemporary encounters with the living God also creates a new reality for anyone who listens, a reality in which God's presence and action becomes a possibility for their lives as well. Hope is the good news so desperately needed in the world today. And you are the ones who can offer it. No one else can tell your unique story in the way you can. Who knows whose life may be changed by your witness. And when our collective narratives are heard in the world, 
other people get a bigger and broader picture of who God is and what God is doing in the world, and we help them to discover their story in God's story, too. We all long to belong. As Christians, and even more particularly as United Methodists, we find our belonging in a community of faith that is upheld by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Each of these actions do not stand alone, but they're intertwined with one another. We spend time individually and corporately in prayer, seeking direction and desiring to grow in grace through the Holy Spirit and as we pray for the church and for one another. Michelle Conway reminded us that we can witness to this prayerful personal relationship with Jesus while at the same time leading others to recognize God's love and grace in their lives too. In worship, we are present to God and to one another. We hear the witness of Scripture and we share in praise and formation as the people of God. As Gary England said, we witness by attending worship every Sunday and by inviting others to experience that same sense of belonging that we all share here at Sun Creek. And Cindy Peterson reminded us that when we are present in small groups, we uplift and encourage one another for, through our mutual prayers and our shared stories of God's presence and action in the world. Because let's face it, there are always days where we struggle to have hope and to remember God's presence. But that's when someone else's witness will see us through. Through a community of faith, we learn to order our lives around Christ-like values and priorities We practice witnessing, and we choose to use our gifts of money, time, and talents generously and joyously to the work of the church and to God's glory and not for our own selfish greed. And as Gary Patterson said, we witness powerfully to God's love and provision in the ways that we treat others in our service to our neighbors and those in need because we place the purposes of God ahead of our own. Together, We witness in all these ways. So as we go from this time of worship, I challenge you, go tell your story. Do not be afraid. Cling to the hope that is in you and trust that the Holy Spirit will give you the words you need to share that hope with others. Be witnesses to God's love in the world. Amen.